I'm a practicing gastroenterologist even though people think that I'm a full-time YouTuber you'll be amazed that the gut bacteria is the underlying problem for everything you name a problem mental health cancer obesity gut bacteria effectively you are the god for the bacteria inside you that's why they call that as a second brain i always tell my patients is that when you tear a piece of a package you're tearing a piece of your gut damn what is happening is the biggest epidemic runway is not covid 10 years from now it's going to be multi drug resistant bacteria so people are going to die right and left it's called super bug so there's a whole universe inside you wow so if you've basically come out of a vagina instead of come out through a c section you're technically healthy of a life in some ways pretty much people think that social drinking is okay when i grew up if my father knows that i drink a sip of alcohol i'll be outcasted from the community <laughs> in us if you say i don't drink alcohol they're coming to you and then saying is everything okay with your health <laughs> liver is also an organ that cannot keep on saving you for the rest of your life wow i love this conversation <laughs> as I'm heading into my 30s. I'm noticing that both myself as well as all my friends of my age are more and more concerned with health. This year, I've been loving all the biology-based conversations we've been doing on TRS. We've been getting medical professionals to talk about their own subject. Today's guest, Dr. Paul Manikam, has spoken in detail about our digestive system. Now, you might think that. your digestive system is a very tiny part of your body it's just one function but in truth it's related to everything that's happening in your body and in many ways it's related to what's happening in your mind we have addressed how mental health is also related to your digestive tract in this particular podcast but you'll be shocked at where this podcast ends up going you'll be surprised to know how important your digestive system is for the rest of your life so i recommend you watch this video if you are concerned with health in general if you're a biology nerd like myself and if you just enjoy deep scientific podcasts this is dr pal manikam with an epic episode of trs Doctor Paul Manikam, welcome to TRS. How are you, good sir? Good, good. Thank you for having me, Ranvi. Thank you. Okay, where do we begin this medical conversation? You know that medical conversations are being loved by our audiences lately. Oh, is that right? Good. That's good. Yeah. That's good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think people have suddenly gotten so deep into biology? Maybe after COVID. Yeah. Uh-huh. People care much more about <laughs> the body. I think so. I think so. And I have I see this uh, trend in younger people that uh, they want to prioritize themselves, which is a wonderful thing because that's my channel tagline. Uh, my mama, my uncle uh-huh. uh is very passionate about biology, but he's grown the passion recently and every time I meet him he'll give me biology inputs. He'll say that listen you need to eat this for your gut and that for your gut. And it reached a point where he was very worried and he was telling me. Uh-huh. And I told him that I know a lot of these things. He's like no how do you know? I don't think you know. And I told him that I think that his friend circle and people his age don't care that much about biology and health but when you come down to people my age at age 30 uh-huh. you know where our bodies are starting to age a little bit everyone talks about health right. everyone talks about the right way to live etc right. right. do you see this as the truth like a bit of a generation gap in terms of how the older generation looks at health no absolutely uh, if you look at it the average age population that people come to me for any problem is only at 45 Hmm. You will not believe in US when I'm, when I'm practicing. People don't take care of their health until forty years of age. Really? 
and when they go for an annual physical exam that's where the blood work is saying that you have elevated cholesterol levels or now what to do right so i when i tell them that the damage didn't happen at that time the damage has happened like 10 years ago and it's time for a recovery at this time so that's pretty common so elevated cholesterol levels is the most common thing in the us um, yeah or elevated glucose levels and it is extremely common in indian immigrants extremely common and uh, i'm a gastroenterologist i see i the, the bread and butter of my uh, practice is doing colonoscopy colonoscopy to look for colon cancer any precancerous colon polyps uh, they saw like small growth like projections inside the colon i do an endoscopy uh, from your anal orifice to go inside all the way into your large intestine and then see whether these growths are there and if it is we remove it and then prevent colon cancer this is my bread and butter i do like 20 of these procedures every day okay Uh, I've been doing this for the last eight years. I'm actually not too familiar with everything that a gastroenterologist does. Huh, so I see. Let's begin okay. with that. I think it's actually a very key aspect of modern day health. They say that the gut health is actually related to your mind, your mood, etc. as well. And if you're saying that cholesterol related problems, elevated glucose related problems are this common, correct? Uh, I want to know more. Correct. For people my age, for people my parents' age. What's up? Tell me everything about gastroenterology. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I send about the colonoscopy is the average age I see is fifty years of age. Okay. Okay. In US, everybody when you turn fifty, I will give them the birthday gift as colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> Even healthy people. Healthy people. Really? Because it's covered by insurance and it is a mandatory thing for us to screen for precancerous colon polyps, and we do this every five to ten years based on what we find. So there is such a shortage of gastroenterologists over there because there are three fifty million people in US, and the reason we do that is there's increased risk of colon cancer because of their dietary habits. You know what scares me about this? Shoving a camera up my butt, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> But as a as a non doctor, as a patient, knowing that I love to do colonoscopy at some point in my life scares me, man. I don't want to put anything in my butt. The point I was trying to make was because you know I told you that the people are having elevated cholesterols and everything. At age fifty, you are not supposed to see any kind of precancerous colon polyps in Indian immigrants. Okay, but because of this health deterioration, which they have not put the effort before, I'm seeing lot of precancerous colon polyps I've never seen before, and this is a very typical demographic. Twenty five years they came to US. Twenty years of hard work, stress, lot of thing, and they settled in life. Their kids are like you know twelve, ten, and it's time for their colonoscopies, right? So when they do it, ideally, you are predominantly a vegetarian-based diet in from over here, right? You know we don't eat beef, pork that much when we grew up. So the likelihood of precancerous colon polyps supposed to be low. Uh, I think India is actually becoming really healthy now. You're uh, familiar with Ram Ram Bhai Sarya ne? <laughs> that culture has reached. India, India. Uh, like you know, the interiors of India, people are much more concerned about health, uh, which is why these kind of conversations are interesting for nice, the end users. Nice. But uh, there's still a lot of education required out, the scientific education related to your health. Correct. Uh, and also, I'm at that age now where we have to think about things like cancer mm. and aging mm. and all these other lifestyle related issues. Correct. So let's let's go back to that, sir. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You spoke about elevated glucose levels and elevated cholesterol Correct. levels. Correct. Mm. it's happening mainly because indian diets are not balanced absolutely yeah right even not, in india even in india we eat too many too much carbohydrate correct that's correct. effectively what it is too many carbohydrates and if you if you look at it and um, uh, we do research on gut bacteria right so we we that's what i do i was involved in mice research 
um i'm a practicing gastroenterologist even though people think that i'm a full time youtuber <laughs> <laughs> so what we do is we actually go to the research lab and all these you know chuwas there uh two groups of mice and we do research you'll be amazed about the amount of research findings that we are seeing that the gut bacteria is the underlying problem for everything what do you mean everything you name a problem mental health gut bacteria cancer gut bacteria obesity gut bacteria let's, in general let's go into the abc's uh what is gut bacteria so when we say gut people think that it is stomach most of the times so it is not stomach it's mainly the uh small intestine and large intestine you you will not believe that every person for you and me we have 100 trillion bacteria 100 trillion the world population is only 8 billion okay and the even 100 trillion is one followed by 14 zeros and the unique aspect is this one followed by 14 zeros bacteria is completely unique to you and to me it is like a fingerprint and nobody can ever replicate it at all okay and this is something that you have been feeding right from when you were born 100 trillion you said 100 trillion okay okay it's a completely lined up it's imagine that it is from your oral cavity all the way to your anal orifice like a 100 trillion firewall or cracker in diwali it's being arranged like so close okay so effectively you are the god for the bacteria inside you you are the god you are the god and uh, that's why they call that as a second brain so there's a whole universe inside you it's completely different it's like a marvel universe over there <laughs> why is it called second brain so uh because all all these bacteria needs to be monitored okay whether you are getting good bacteria or bad bacteria what is happening you know whenever you eat for example you know you serve me uh, nuts and cashews now right so when i eat cashews the bad bacteria and the good bacteria has to interact and then say okay this is good for me or not so it's a constant monitoring going on what do you mean interact so the uh, the good bacteria and bad bacteria aligning the intestine constantly monitor what you are eating okay and that secretes chemical mediators right there along the wall of the intestine and that chemical molecules seep through the intestinal wall goes into the brain and makes you choose what you are doing okay i'm trying to understand this huh. better so please correct me wherever yes. i'm saying something wrong mm. uh by good bacteria you mean things that are actually beneficial for your health beneficial for your gut probably help you digest food better correct by bad bacteria do you mean germs of some sort no everything is germ so the concept is that these bacteria even though always we have blamed bacteria as a bad thing right we got infection we give antibiotics and we don't want bacteria but that's not true throughout from ancestors life we have had a symbiotic relationship with bacteria what we mean by that is we need them they need us they live inside us and we need them in order to digest our food correct which we are not given a genes at birth by god for not digesting certain food particles like complex carbs okay so for example i'll tell you an example so let's say that you are eating a complex carb okay simple sugar so let's say you know having a maida biscuit you eat it it goes into your stomach acid being secreted so there is no organisms in the stomach that much because it's all acidic then it goes into your small intestine so the small intestine is the site of absorption so it absorbs everything oh good i love simple glucose oh i love biscuit everything good and then when the biscuit goes down to the large intestine there is nothing for the bacteria to eat bacteria doesn't feed on simple sugar 
So bacteria, then what it does, it starts biting the wall of the small intestine and large intestine. Ooh. Because it needs food to live. So when you are creating a disruption in that barrier, that is where the problem is happening. That is right at the molecular level. We are looking at the state-of-the-art heart attack device that we are inventing, right? But the bottom line problem was at the lining of the intestines. And that is why they say it is the second brain because all these nerve supplies talk to the primary brain as well. Got it. And then it makes you do a decision. Let's say you want to eat this. Maybe it's not you. It's your bad bacteria that wants it. Let's talk about the nervous system a little bit. Uh Uh, Basically, your brain, your spinal cord, and then your entire nervous system is kind of made of the same nervous tissue. Correct. Nerve tissue. Correct. Uh, Are you saying that your gut has more nerves connected to it? Yes, gut has something called enteric nervous system. This is called central nervous system. And the gut has enteric nervous system. And those neurons are sometimes even more powerful than your first brain. Why? Because they constantly interact. It's a two-way communication. The information goes from here and the brain sends the communication over here and makes sure that, okay, so this food is good for us. Let's uh, make it hold for longer. Let's absorb all these nutrients. And this food is bad for us. Okay, let's just excrete it as soon as possible. You will not believe how much amount of impulses that is happening in that small connection. Basically, when Virat Kohli is playing a cover drive, He's played that cover drive so many times in his life and perfected it. Ah. Which is why when it actually happens in an international game, it happens like a machine. It happens automatically. Correct. But how often does Virat Kohli have to play a cover drive versus how often does Virat Kohli have to eat? That that nervous pathway which allows him to play a cover drive is very well worked uh-huh, because uh-huh. he's a professional uh-huh. athlete. Uh-huh. I see, I see. Uh-huh. But the nervous pathway for food in a human being is so much more important. Correct. Like food and eating is one of the most central aspects of human life that's probably why the body has created such a strong nervous pathway between the gut and the brain yes because it's such an active part of our life yes absolutely absolutely please correct me where i'm wrong i'm just trying to understand no no you're right i tell uh, um, an analogy it's like you know in bhagavad gita i would say our gut is lord krishna and our brain is arjuna really that it's that big it's that big if because our gut has its own dharma and if we replace the Lord Krishna chakra with parotas, then Arjuna, Lord Krishna will tell Arjuna that some adharma is going on in the gut. You need to fight against your own body. It's how deep that is. It has to be a smooth, transient connection. And the most important thing is, it's not something that happens in the middle of your life or something like that. It happens right when you are born out of your mother's vagina. The channel delivery. Mm. Do you think that a neuroscientist or a neurosurgeon would also say the same thing? Neuroscientists always say that, oh, you know, brain brain is the biggest thing because, you know, it has a master plan. Our gut might not be able to do that kind of master plan like brain. But the gut has a stronger potential to influence the brain in terms of your decision making. Uh, For example, um, so let's say that you're craving for something. Right? I was addicted to dairy milk. The reason that I did, I was addicted to dairy milk is because whenever I eat dairy milk, my bacteria uh, in my intestines is growing according to what my dairy milk wants. Oof. 
right so in due course of time there is no good bacteria at all then that that's bad bacteria keeps on multiplying and it secretes dopamine right at the junction of the intestine and that dopamine pierces the wall gets into the blood goes into the brain secretes dopamine and i feel that craving satisfaction then what i do i, I crave for even more so this is a vicious cycle and uh, i i keep mentioning that this is something that i did to my body on a due course of time it didn't happen overnight or it didn't happen a month or two okay so much to explore here but let's go back to good bacteria and bad bacteria Correct. so your good bacteria is there in your gut mm. since childhood since when you're born so i'll tell you i'll take a minute to explain sure. this so you take two deliveries okay one per, one baby is born through normal vaginal delivery and the other baby is born through a c section okay and we did research to find out which baby has a good bacteria right so when they are born there is so much real estate because there is small intestines like 22 feet long large intestines 5 feet long there is so much real estate fresh there is no microbes nothing when the baby is born through vaginal delivery it swallows the normal vaginal bacteria that goes into the stomach that creates that triggering cascade response so that all the good bacteria gets the first place damn the same thing if you go to cesarean section when you take that baby stool specimen and look at the microbiota they have only the skin microbes of the uh, mom when we are taking it out and part of the microbes is based on who is taking the baby out like the people who are handling the baby you mean the gynecologist the, the gynecologist the caregivers and the environmental bacteria more than the normal vaginal bacteria so i'm not saying the c section is bad so please don't take that as the uh, example okay. over here uh, but what i'm trying to say is it starts right from the birth okay uh, and then you know there are multiple studies also showing that you know if you look at people kids who are born through c section and you follow them over time the likelihood of obesity is slightly increased in What? patients who are delivered with c section okay and this is a very controversial finding where some find some studies have refuted it some studies have supported it but bottom line is their microbiota their gut bacteria is definitely slightly different than the normal one for life unless they change by implementing good gut health techniques during the process during their growth which is dietary dietary you know exposure to uh, you know like exposure to dirt itself Okay I mean that's a different story we'll talk about that yeah. as well we will will come to that because uh, that's actual uh, call to action so you can actually we can teach people yes. through the show yes. okay i want to say something about exercise mm. everyone has this idea in their head that oh it's so difficult mm. but the truth is there is an exercise format that your body and mind will like automatically for some people it's dance for some people it's weight training for Correct. some people it's running running for some people it's hatha yoga for some people it's sports for so many people it's sports correct but you just need to take that deep dive into whatever it is correct in that first month push yourself for one month it'll help you through the rest of your life correct because hear these conversations movement exercise is that important uh you have to prioritize it literally the worst mistake i've done in my entire life was pre age 16 didn't focus enough on exercise mm -hmm. and post age 22 
prioritize money and fame over health uh maintain my health for the sake of how i looked mm. but only now when i've switched into religiously playing sports uh. is everything getting fixed in my life my mental health is so much better mm. i'm so much happier as a person i sleep so much better mm. uh i look so much better i feel so much better nice. but you have to push yourself find that social group begin weight training begin sports begin something if you can then ideally do weight training do a lot of stretching and play a sport the combination of these in different proportions depending on your life uh can really help you but at least do one of them if not all three mm-hmm. uh now let's get back to good bacteria and bad bacteria so coming for this piggybacking on the point is that sure. exercise also modulates the gut bacteria if you do exercise the likelihood of the good bacteria is more compared to and then decreasing the content of the bad bacteria i think when it comes to health it boils down to the basics always sir basics that exercise eat clean you'll be all right keep it simple yeah uh people over complicate diets nowadays you Correct. know like uh people have too many deep logics about diet and you'll often see that the people who are not very healthy uh complicate diets a lot Correct. i've seen this so much Correct. especially with like the older generation they have either not lived in a healthy way for a long time or um you know i have just discovered Uh-huh, uh-huh. then they log they'll say no you need to eat this don't eat this in this way at this time Correct. but the truth is just eat clean eat raw eat organic you'll be okay we'll we'll come to that later yes uh does get back to good and bad bacteria what is bad bacteria is it like the bacteria that you get by drinking unclean water i'm assume um no not really not really that is a really bad bacteria Okay, oh, okay so let's just uh, uh classify this so let's take, take marvel universe right sure so we have like you know iron man hulk spider man all these are like good guys and we have the thanos okay and thanos also have this like small small uh, bad guys associated with him our body will recognize thanos and then will make sure that thanos is not being activated okay so that is taken care of by the immune system lining the intestines so let's say you are eating a pav bhaji and it is contaminated it goes inside and they know oh, it is thanos okay so let's just stimulate the immune response and then it creates a cascade of events and they fight against thanos and thanos is done and that's where you have like 2 to 3 days of fever you have diarrhea you have nausea vomiting and then 3 4 days after you're all good because all this immune system non doesn't happen with your brain it happens at the lining of your small intestine and large really? intestine it's called pyus patches and uh, are, are you talking about just fighting dietary germs or anything dietary germs is the main thing because that's the pathogenic oral in uh, oral ingestion of that bad bacteria the same concept happens when you are in exposed to let's say covid virus or any other pulmonary lung bacteria the same thing happens within the lungs fighting against ah, the okay. bacteria uh, this is for a oral thing that i'm talking about okay got it and uh, that is the baddest of the bad right but what happens is because of a dietary style Okay so let's say that we don't have enough fiber in our diet okay remember i told you that the bacteria needs fiber okay so let's say a baby is born through vaginal delivery has a very good gut bacteria how do we preserve that gut bacteria throughout is by just giving them fiber 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 if you have a lot of fiber which is including fruits vegetables and everything then all this iron man hulk and spider man keeps growing and all these bad guys keeps coming down then this good group will take care of you for the rest of your life they will fight against any kind of bad guys okay but what is happening in during this industrialization in the last like 10 15 years mainly 
this thing has gone down with all this artificial processed foods and everything high calorie high fat low protein low fiber and this thing goes down and this thing goes up this gut bacteria is malleable which we can change it but we need to feed it properly if we feed bad things it, the bad bacteria will grow if we feed good things good bacteria will grow so this is a constant seesaw play that we are trying to adapt so that we can lead a longer lifetime okay but uh, you spoke about how good bacteria and bad bacteria interact you said the absolute villainous bacteria is germs like things you get which will uh, give you infections infection like salmonella typhoid is a example of a bad or the bad bacteria but you're saying inherently in your gut there is also something called bad bacteria inherently correct you get a mix of both good and bad gut bacteria and that bad bacteria is there because of our modern day dietary lifestyles correct correct and also exposure to you know environment uh but uh, if your good gut bacteria is more it has the capability to control this uh, environment okay it's not 50 50 it's not 50 50 no so in a very healthy person someone who takes care of their body ha, etc ha, ha, ha. say someone who's living also outside a city ha. you know rural india ha. eating very healthy eating ha. clean vagera uh what is the proportion we did a research on um, ancestral living current modern day living there is a tribal community in tanzania where, where they has hadza 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 tribes we did so much research on the stool microbiota over there they have 1600 diverse bacteria because they don't have they don't grow any animals they don't grow any farm for, uh, vegetables or anything like that they hunt that's where their general thing is and they are successful in the hunting one in every 20 days and in between what they eat they eat plants you know complex tubers beets uh, nuts uh i mean uh, fruits and tubers where the complex carbs is so much and coming back to the previous point that we discussed that it reaches the large intestine and they are feeding the good bacteria keep going keep going so whenever you eat something there are two things you feed yourself first then you need to feed your gut bacteria so when you look at them it's 1600 when we did the research on a common american man it's only 1200 and this thing is passed on to generations we have lost 400 good bacteria and there is no way to revive it and my my real scare is this thing is passed on to generations and if it's like a deforestation okay so you know we are killing trees and uh, goes to the next generation 25% is gone we are killing trees 50% is gone there is no way to revive the trees right but with gut bacteria if you are conscious enough and then replant the trees replant the gut bacteria it will be such a wonderful thing that we are doing for our future generations there is actually my favorite youtube channel is this channel called best ever food review show Huh. where he goes to different parts of the world and uh-huh. he also shows the culture of the place oh, nice. so he had done a pretty graphic video i think with the hatsa tribe uh-huh. it's not an easy watch especially uh-huh. for vegetarians it's <laughs> it's something intense but what you said that they get a successful kill once in 20 days correct so in those 20 days they're just exploring correct collecting things and eating which brings me to the process of evolution because they say that according to science archaeologists claim that between 2 to 3 lakh years ago we've discovered that yeah that was the first time homo sapiens roamed the earth hmm, okay hmm, hmm. and i've spoken to some archaeologists who also believe that we say it's 2 to 3 lakh years ago because that's the last kind of existing bone fossil we found of humans from that phase hmm. it 
possibly could be longer than that mm-hmm. okay but my point is that we know for a fact that only in about 10000 bc or so did we really start settling down in villages etc mm-hmm. i love history <laughs> now 2 lakh minus 10000 years or minus even 20000 years huh. okay to be safe is 1 lakh 80000 years huh. that means for 1 lakh 80000 years all of us were living like the hatsa tribe huh. all of us were hunter gatherers correct correct and our bodies are used to that absolutely when nature has fed us helped our good bacteria and today we find ourselves waiting for a burger and mcdonalds <laughs> or sitting in pizza hut and waiting for that pizza to come to you i was about to say there is no diabetes obesity heart disease in hatsa how come and they eat honey people say that you know you don't eat honey because honey is like rich in carbs and everything but they have developed that gut bacteria propensity that they are able to balance it and then they are the only way the increase is of communicable diseases and non and very decreased non communicable diseases yeah one of the most beautiful and impactful books i read in my life was sapiens by yuval noah harari huh. he actually draws out a picture of what hunter gatherer life was huh. like and one of the key features was that the world was your buffet huh. how you go to a buffet and you see huh. different foods <laughs> actually you go out in a forest you see mushrooms growing huh. you'll see fruits on trees huh. you'll see some leaves that are edible then you'll hunt a little bit you'll get protein from there huh. you'll see something else you'll eat that you'll see raw nuts growing you'll see some other kind of berries uh-huh. and you're exploring so much that you're actually taking the best bits from nature uh-huh. uh that's what our bodies are meant to do absolutely and while exploring you're also working your body because of movement absolutely absolutely that's actually what your bodies are built to do but again that's not practical because even the people who are watching or listening to this podcast are sitting in their car driving correct. or sitting at home correct and this is our life now correct. we're in a concrete jungle correct so all we can do is think about the future you know no no absolutely uh, and and the present also which is why i want to bring you back to 2023 sir <laughs> um do you have anything to say about what i just said so regarding the hazda tribe the Wherever other way you want to take the, the other thing that they did was if they say they have a hunt they finished eating at sunset because there's no light they have to finish eating at sunset they have to have a heavy meal together and then they had so much melatonin that you would ever think of and they had a very good night sleep overnight all the growth hormone uh, you know every cell in our body has a sleep wake cycle similar to how you go to bed at night and you wake up in the morning every cell has a sleep wake cycle active digestive hormones is from sunrise to sunset and the trigger is the sunlight your sunlight comes in the morning and then you wake up and then all the digestive hormones are active and then at sunset it dies down for example you eat a samosa it goes into your stomach it needs to be secreted by acid digestive by acid right how is it doing it the cells are opening the projections comes in pour the acid digest the food and then come back so who is going to close that cell you need a repair growth hormone that needs to come in the middle of the night when you are sleeping for at least 7 to 8 hours so when melatonin is secreting you are having good night sleep they are repairing all the stomach damage and they are ready for the next day basically boils down to the basics again eat clean exercise sleep well coming back to your point of in modern day life we cannot do this physical activity and eating this uh, uh, clean but eating early can be done relatively if you can put a conscious uh, effort into it while the sun is out what yes eat while the sun is out and when the sun is sets and that's it your dinner time should be done mm. and um, i have a wonderful research study to share if 
regarding this. Sure. So I was involved in a research study where we gave pizza and burger example to a small group of mice from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. sunrise to sunset. And then we gave the same pizza and burger from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. to a different group of mice. Three months later, we looked into what is happening in this group. And uh, for our surprise, there was no weight gain at all in both. But a most important thing is when these mouse were fed between 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., their cholesterol levels went up, their glucose level went up, and their insulin resistance went up. And when you follow this for six months later, that's where the weight gain came in. So when somebody is putting on weight, it does it, uh, the damage has been done before. And when you just revisit the feeding time, all the weight is gone. And that was a eye-opener for me. And then I started using that technique on my patients with fatty liver. And, you know, fatty liver is fat deposit in the liver whenever there is like belly fat. And I said, you know, you can eat whatever you want to start with, okay? Just, I know you're very busy, you're a busy professional. Uh, you know, you cannot do all the things I'm trying to say, but at least, you know, try to eat your dinner by 7.30 p.m. or 8 p.m. maximum. This is a wonderful technique. Uh, I think I lost weight, so much weight and everything. And then I started doing that on myself. Then I lost weight. Then I started imparting that to all my uh, YouTube subscribers. And I, I, I see this big change in the pictures that they are saying before and after. And I, said, I think that this is one of the, this is not the holy grail, but I think this is one of a very sustainable method, which can be easily applied in your modern day practice. If you just put this thought process together as a family. Yeah. You know, the reason I get bored of giving people diet advice through the podcast or through <laughs> my old fitness and health videos, right, like Dear Bison started off as a fitness and health correct, channel. Correct. I got bored because actually it's really simple. Yeah. And I'm just going to be repeating the same things again. Right. So there's a lot of people who are probably unhealthy right now listening to this podcast and taking down notes. Uh -huh. But the truth is they've already heard all these things in correct, their life. Correct. They've just not followed it. Mm, okay. Mm. Which is why now I want to talk about my love life. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Tell me. <laughs> How can I help you? <laughs> That's an interesting conversation. <laughs> F*** health. <laughs> no. Okay. Love life. So, there's a girl I like. Uh -huh, okay. Uh, and I'm actually a pretty healthy guy, honestly. Uh -huh. I get my blood reports done and everything. Uh -huh. um, but she said that, you know what, man? Uh, she's a spiritual girl. So uh -huh, good. I hit the mark there. <laughs> uh, that should be a first checkbox. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, she's a spiritual girl and she told me that you're healthy and all. You're spiritual, but you need to fix certain aspects of your life. And if you do that, then I'll consider dating you. Consider, okay. I'm not even making this shit up. That's what's sad. <laughs> Is she your subscriber? No comments. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, now... Mm. She's someone who sleeps at 10, wakes up at 4, uh -huh. 5. And that's always been my dream. I feel like in terms of health, that's uh -huh. the next stage for me. That I've fixed a lot of my diet, my exercise, but sleep I need to work on mm -hmm. a little bit more. Uh, okay. Now, there was a long phase during COVID where I slept at 6 a.m. and woke up at 2 p.m. And I was actually very productive in that phase. Uh -huh. I don't know why. Uh -huh. All my life I've been someone who stays up at night Late and night I either time. study or I read or I write. Or uh -huh. Um moved to this house in Varsova mm. um, and my studio is in my house. Huh. Uh, okay, so it's very convenient for me to begin shooting at 11 a.m., huh. etc. Huh. It's convenient for the guests. My whole day goes very well. Correct. Huh. So I was forced to start sleeping earlier. So from 6 a.m. I came down to 1 a.m. 1 a.m. Huh. Uh, and now I wake up at say 9, 10 o'clock, get good sleep and then I wake up and I do these podcasts and then I live out my day. Huh. If I could fix my life from 6 a.m. to 1 a.m., 
for the sake of my career huh. uh i know for a fact that with that little power focus and with determination i can easily switch it from 1 am to 10 pm and that's what long term exercise and diet has also taught me mm. that it might seem difficult but as dr andrew huberman says mm. and he's become the legend of the world of biology online like his podcast has blown up Correct. everyone i know who's into health listens to andrew Correct. Huberman. yeah he says that the single biggest deciding factor in bringing change in your life is your own focus Correct. of your mind if you put focus on the problem if you put hard work you'll be able to switch up and you'll be able to change your brain chemistry you'll be able to change all your neural patterns to actually fix your life correct but it has to come from your heart correct. like inside you need to feel that determination to change it correct this girl is beautiful <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to change it <laughs> i will i will change it like it's too early right now but uh, i think i found the one so oh, good <laughs> so it depends on if i can fix my life oh, so uh, make sure that you have good gut bacteria as well so that your offspring so pretty good Yeah, <laughs> she's really healthy. I'm really healthy. <laughs> so the other thing is, I always say that you know, at least when I grew up, they used to look at for astrology for matching, right? Did they? Will you do as well? Me? Ah, it depends probably. on the girl. Depends on the girl. Okay. So for us, when uh, when I grew up, astrology was the top priority. Okay. So be to a point that we actually bribe the astrologer. Okay, please, Uma, I like this girl. Please do something and match. <laughs> the astrology so as a gastroenterologist i say that in addition to astrology you need to look at the gut bacteria as well so if i have to open a website i will not say matrimony.com i will say guts.com wow and then i will see the tagline is marry me if you have guts <laughs> <laughs> but there's science behind what you're saying absolutely one obvious logic is that the mom's gut bacteria will have an impact on the baby's gut bacteria for sure huh. very obvious huh. through pregnancy through childbirth what is huh. spoken huh. huh. how does the dad's the the environmental exposure basically so let's say like i shake hands with you okay so my our hand has more bacteria than our whole cells okay so it's exposure so when you're getting exposed to pets when you're exposing dogs and dogs are transferring the good bacteria to you so it's all about the environment okay dogs also have good bacteria yeah good and bad bacteria so there is a study that said that children who grew up with dogs have less asthma and the risk of allergic diseases is slightly lower in uh, those kids and again it comes back to the dog is going outside playing with the it comes back again and uh, the kids are playing and the transmission of bacteria is happening so that kid is getting exposed to wide variety of microbiomes that you will ever even think of and uh, coming back on the same lines that you know nowadays with all this modernized uh, world there is no playing outside in dirt anymore and we are playing dirt not actual dirt the dirt video game on the kids on the ipad <laughs> so when you play in dirt again the same amount of microbes that goes in and uh, it is always better not to be overly sanitized there's a kid who lives in my building uh-huh. uh, sometimes on weekends if my friends are not playing football with me i'll just take my own football downstairs mm. and i'll tell him to come downstairs huh. and i'll play a passing game with him oh, okay he's an athletic kid huh. so i read online that if you play barefoot mm. it actually helps you better with ball control because your nervous system is getting more used to controlling yes, uh, a ball perception okay. mm. i told him to take off your shoes and play with me huh. on the grass because it feels great Correct. and you get ma- major grounding because uh, you know when you play barefoot yes, on the grass uh, He said I don't want to bro it's dirty the mud is dirty Oh, oh my god <laughs> and I was looking at him like hmm 
I've heard that before. I see. Um, I used to have a lot of relatives who used to tell ah. me this Indian mud is dirty. Ah. But I've had a lot of people come on the show from different backgrounds ah. who've spoken about the beauty and the benefits of mud. Ah. And you're a doctor who's saying the same thing again. Ah. Let's talk a little bit about dirt, mud. What's the deal? So there's something called hygiene hypothesis. Okay. So as a gastroenterologist, we see a lot of autoimmune diseases now. Like... inflammatory bowel disease ulcerative colitis crohn's disease what is essentially means that your body thinks that your colon doesn't belong to you your colon is foreign it shouldn't be in your body so all this immune system starts activating up and then starts eating up your colon this was not common in india at all and now 25% of my population is indians and the reason is that we go back people say it might be genetic it might be exposure but one of the reason is hygiene hypothesis where we are overly protective of our kids mm. overly protective of our you know indian culture is you know anything can happen to me nothing should happen to my kid correct but by protecting them overly and not exposing them to dirt not expo not playing them not letting them play with dogs and everything um the population of bacteria that they are getting exposed gets decreased and this bacteria interacts with the immune system our immune system is hyper when we okay it's like me it keeps hyper it's always on the go has to do something has to do something it keeps take the bacteria out and then says it's good or bad or oh, no good okay keep it bad no you need to keep on giving some good things to the immune system to do if it is bored it starts eating up your organ okay so when you are playing in dirt it says oh good bad bacteria good will discard good bacteria will keep it but when you are in overly sanitized environment the immune system doesn't have anything to do what will it do then it starts thinking idle man is devil's, devil's workshop so it started working in a devil stand, uh, standpoint it starts eating up your own i have a strong feeling that this is the main reason for increased incidence of autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis celiac disease what is colitis inflammation of the colon and that's the thing where they uh, people think uh, that autoimmune disease where the immune system thinks that your colon doesn't belong to you because there's nothing to do so or your immune system your gut bacteria is basically bored <laughs> right your immune system is bored because you're not giving gut bacteria to them you know what i'm saying you know how they say that street food tastes better because the sweat of the vendor falls on them poor lao that sweat is basically protecting you from autoimmune correct, problems correct correct is that what you're saying it could be like in a way in a way in a way, in a way. Okay. but that doesn't mean that you know you can go on you know like very let's say hospital environment right you drop the chocolate on a home floor it's okay Three seconds later, you eat it because it's your home environment. That microbes is not going to be that thornos. It could be like smaller bad guys, but your good bacteria will take care of it. But at the same time, you're giving work to your immune system. You are providing a wide variety of bacteria. It's all good. The same chocolate, if it drops in a hospital setting, I will not even go near it, <laughs> right? Because then the actual thornos might come in, and it could be antibiotic resistant. We don't even know. So it is a fine, delicate balance, and especially for kids. Playing in dirt, best thing ever. Okay, I'll tell you what. Again, I'm going back to my life. I'm trying to make this relatable uh-huh. for the audiences. My, I'm from a family of doctors. Uh-huh. My mom literally never let me and my sister eat street food when we were kids. Uh-huh. So my first street food experience happened in college, uh-huh. and I used to fall ill a lot in college. Uh-huh. But now I don't fall ill anymore if I eat street food. Uh-huh. My hypothesis uh-huh. is that. Uh, my gut strengthened up between the ages of 18 and 22 in college when i started eating street food and i see my mum falling ill a lot even if she eats uh 
once like if she eats restaurant food even like once twice a week uh-huh. it's harsh on her body you know she's not able to like take it of course there's an age factor etc uh-huh. but I, i personally feel that in india you know where we grow up uh, our guts become much stronger uh-huh. compared to a white boy or white girl who comes here and gets deli belly the moment they eat chutney <laughs> or the moment they drink water something happens to their stomachs correct correct so uh, you want to say anything about that? you're trying to find an argument to support yourself for your mom <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See mama. <laughs> no what god. Auntie he's asking me to say yes. <laughs> god. But you know maybe in 18 to 22 that's where you had your change of lifestyle as well. Yeah. Right. You know you mm. exercise more, you started doing this lemon chicken, maybe protein was more, <laughs> fiber was more, and maybe you get back to your started to change. Yeah. And that is something that you might have to think through as well. Mm, okay uh-huh. but what about this outside eating thing when you're and we will we'll get to a whole section on diet uh-huh. but um, street foods yeah or just generally living in india living in an indian city you are exposed to a lot yes. of rubbish yes, here absolutely but on some level is harming you but on some level is also it's good it's good it's good it's absolutely good because exposure to the microbes you'll never get in us How do you get how, in? How? There is, you know, the the infectious diseases that is available. I mean, that is prevalent in India is not even close to what is available in US. Okay, and yes, it is bad, right? In a let's say severe tuberculosis, that's bad. But all these chota chota small small viruses, it's okay to be sick. And the biggest thing is, please, please, uh, let me look at the audience and say, if you are having a fever, please don't take antibiotics right and left. Okay, mm. only if it is absolutely indicated. Nowadays, even when there is IPL fever, they're taking antibiotics. <laughs> what What does antibiotics change in your gut? You remember the hundred trillion firewalla cracker? Yeah. Right from the oral cavity to the anal orifice, fifty percent is gone. It blasts your <laughs> digestive system. It blasts the bacteria. It good and bad both. Okay. Okay. and it takes a lot of time to repopulate again how long maybe it, it depends upon individual right sometimes if you have a good uh, lifestyle before maybe like 6 weeks 8 weeks sometimes if you're bad to start with it may even take 3 to 6 months it's that bad usually when someone's prescribing antibiotics they also give a probiotic i believe huh. how much does a probiotic help probiotic <laughs> that's a entirely different story but not that doesn't help that much That doesn't help that much. That's that's the story. Yes, it does help a little bit, but not that much. Remember, hundred trillion, fifty trillion is gone. Probiotic is not going to replace fifty trillion. Okay, the better way is to, if it is a viral fever, you don't need antibiotics at all. I did a reel on my channel that I went to a pharmacy store in Chennai, and I said I need augmentin, and augmentin is a stronger antibiotic, right? This is not amoxicillin. Amoxicillin is the number one antibiotic that you give for any pneumonia or anything like that, right? Augmentin is for an antibiotic where amoxicillin is not working. It's an even powerful antibiotic. So augment uh, amoxicillin kills fifty trillion. Augmentin might kill seventy five trillion. In US, you cannot even get amoxicillin without a prescription. You cannot walk into a store and get amoxicillin. Here, I showed to the audience that you can even get augmentin easily without a prescription. Mm. Okay, what is happening is the biggest epidemic runway is not COVID. 10 years from now it's going to be multi drug resistant bacterias yeah you're saying there's going to be new bacterias new diseases that come up a bacteria that is resistant to antibiotics it's called superbug it's become resistant to antibiotics because 
human bodies just don't accept antibiotics anymore ha uh-huh. so what happens is when we take antibiotics sure. the bacteria is smart uh-huh. oh so you are it's like a, you know ramayana mahabharata you have about oh this is a bow and arrow that's coming i know i have a shield now mm. so amoxicillin i know what to do so the bacteria forms a shield so your bow and arrow is not working so then what do you do you go up and then you bring a gada and then you just uh, break open then now there's another shield for gada as well and there is this patient 35 year old pneumonia patient pneumonia he died because he had probably done so much, much antibiotic in- based treatment that his body just became immune to antibiotics and this bacteria called acinetobacter bomani we tried so many antibiotics nothing worked and it is not that he did it it might be other people so you taking an antibiotic for yourself is not if people may say it's not it's my body i can do whatever we want no that's not true you are damaging the community because that antibiotic resistance is going to get out of you to somebody else what so the anti- the bacteria that is in your body which is resistant to all these things can get transmitted to other people as well ah so if one family member is taking antibiotics regularly it's affecting the gut bacteria in their kids's bodies other husband husband wife ah, and then they can transmit it to other people where then treating them is going to be very difficult so it's 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 just a, a, a ticking time bomb a ticking time bomb and there is this notion in india that only if a doctor gives antibiotics he's a good doctor why because the fever will be gone right away no no but why is this notion there in the first place at least when i grew up it, it was like that even it is now because there is this tendency that okay uh, i need some medications to cure my body that's not true your body is so smart it'll be able to uh, take care of itself i always say that if you have a fever if you take antibiotics it will go away in 3 days okay if you don't take antibiotics it will go away in 72 hours how do you raise a healthy kid in the modern day other than the obvious ones which is uh, okay i'll i'll pitch you some ideas you tell me where i'm going right and wrong mm-hmm. lots of water mm. keep the kid hydrated that's the base mm. uh, i personally would love to feed my kid a lot of raw veggies and fruits from a young age mm-hmm. uh again i don't know too much about raising an infant like i don't know why they give infant serlac i'm sure there's logic behind that uh, uh-huh. uh you know baby food all correct, that correct. but the moment the kid can absorb vegetables i'm going to f- shower that kid with like vegetables and fruits correct uh i'm going to ensure there's regular exercise i'm going to really take care of my kids sleep which in the modern day means i'm going to take away screens 2 3 hours before bedtime and play with them etc but ensure they sleep really well uh these are my basics um ideally i would not like to raise children in a big indian city but i have the luxury of saying that because my career is such that i can work about anywhere mm-hmm. that's not a luxury everyone has mm-hmm. uh these are my top 4 priorities um lots of raw food and water lots of sleep lots of exercise and trying to raise a kid somewhere with more nature mm-hmm. and less air pollution less mm-hmm. water pollution the fifth point is all this four needs to be done by the parent what the fifth point all this four that you said ah. needs to be done by the parent because your gut bacteria will no that's the first thing that's that's where kids emulate the parent mm-hmm. that is the key it's not that you know as we talked about before that indian parents are very emotional they pull love to the kids even they their kids life is even not more priority than their own life they'll do anything for the kids to grow better right to live better 
but what they are understand failing to understand is that they need to take care of their health first and whatever the habits what you said the four things if they do it they don't even have to force the kid to do it and the kid will do it by themselves that is what is missing that is what is missing i saw i mean while coming to this podcast uh, in the hotel buffet there was a family of four husband wife two little kids all four of them are on the phone okay and then i, I was looking at the food items what they are saying a guy was eating uh, the kid was eating um, cereals and uh, there was this fruit loops thing and there was this croissant there was this muffin i just peeked at it there was no fruits vegetables no fiber nothing okay then i looked at the dad's plate exact same thing exact same thing muffin croissant cereals and he poured honey on the top of it that's the only difference mm. that's the only difference basically kids follow exactly what you do yeah can i add a sixth point here <laughs> because this is something i follow while i'm on vacation as well uh-huh. as far as possible i try not eating anything that's come out of a plastic packet and i've seen it's made a huge difference to my bloating but i'm dead sure it's making a difference to my gut and this has been the case for a very long time uh if it's chips if it's two minute noodles if it's sodas like you know uh, cold drinks whatever just avoid it it doesn't need to be at home marketing tells you that it needs to be at home and you need to keep it for parties but you know what you can also serve orange juice at parties absolutely little extra effort but when these things are in your house it will affect your dietary choices if it's just there i'm a pretty clean eater i care about my lifestyle but if this packet of chips at home or a packet of popcorn at home i feel like eating it absolutely even today it's absolutely. just how how the mind is wired the concrete jungle is also built that correct you just need to not keep these demons at home uh not fall for marketing traps it will be a big difference and you know people say that no but i feel like eating snacks and all that's okay listen to your hunger but don't keep the wrong snacks at home absolutely uh, i always tell my patients is that when you tear a piece of a package you're tearing a piece of your gut uh-huh. <laughs> damn son <laughs> and it sounds very exaggerated but that's true the 1000 100 trillion firewall cracker has to be so closed to get the connections right and each and every time you tear a package you are creating gaps and through the gaps the chemicals goes inside the body let's take table sugar huh. as the base huh. i also want to talk about jaggery and huh. sugar alternatives uh-huh. and you know what i'll also put fruits in that huh. category because i think people overdo it with fruits uh-huh. one serving of it it's fine but not all the time huh. it's not a snack replacement etc vegetables i won't say the same mm. so please correct me if i'm wrong but let's start at these common aspects uh you know i i eat minimal table sugar oriented items mm. uh oriented item in terms of anything that has anything that's sweet uh. as far as possible i avoid it huh. uh it's just how okay good so you you stay away from sweet uh, as far as possible that doesn't mean i don't eat sweet food okay um like you know once in a while say yeah etc some i i do eat fruit once a day and i i like getting sugar from that and i eat it as my first meal mm. am i doing something wrong right overall please correct me with i want to take sweet as a taste as a concept because it's one of the most common problems that people face for right. while trying to undergo weight loss or while trying to get fitter that they have to, too much of a sweet tooth mm. so let's just address sugar talk about it from the gut perspective what mm. what actually happens so let's go back to the uh, like i'll i'll take you through what happens when you eat a ladoo 
Sure. Okay. So uh, many. I'd uh, also love for you to give us another case of drinking a cold drink. Huh. Cold drink is. Uh, cold drink. Any like soda. Yeah, soda. I mean, a soft drink. Yeah. Huh. Doesn't matter. Both are same. <laughs> okay. Okay. Doesn't matter. Isn't soda like worse? Oh, even worse. Even worse, worse than laddu. Marginally. It depends. Marginally, <laughs> if you like laddu, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I say that because with the laddu, you're also eating that little bit of grain, <laughs> which kind of slows down. Correct. Your, correct. Anyway, yeah, yeah. No, Go. you're right. You're right. Yeah, I think laddu is maybe slightly better than the, the worst thing you can put is a soft drink <laughs> into your body. Soft drink. Um, but regardless, whatever you are eating, right? So it goes down your oral cavity, esophagus, stomach, and we talked about the stomach acid secreting this, and then it goes into the small intestine. That's where the action happens. Mm. Okay, what happens in your small intestine loves simple sugar, simple sugar. So when you take laddu, it's white sugar, and uh, the um, uh, soda, it's all like you know sweetened sugar. So then it gets easily absorbed. Okay, then it goes into the colon. Okay, then goes into the colon, and there is no food for the bacteria in the colon. Why? Because they cannot feed. There is nothing left. Everything, all the simple glucose is completely absorbed in small. So then it starts eating the lining of the intestine. Because the debris has triggered the awakened state of the colon. Ki something has entered. Then the bacteria gets released and it doesn't find anything to eat, so it starts eating the walls. Ha! And also, if even if something has entered, you need to feed the correct thing for the bacteria. If not, it's hungry. Like what we are, when we are hungry, we look for food. Mm. Doesn't matter the food is available; they will create their own food. Okay. So that is the starting process of all this, right? So then, why I keep saying that it eats up that lining? That's very, very key because that is the connection gets widened on the thousand, hundred trillion, five dollar cracker. When the connection gets widened, then there is a delay in the brain-gut connection. All right. When the signal is getting sent to the gut, it acts slower. Then the bad bacteria starts secreting, starts dictating what it wants. So it secretes chemicals what it wants. So, for example, it secretes dopamine, and the dopamine can be easily transferred through that gap. It secretes dopamine because it wants dopamine. Uh, because after the eating the simple sugar. uh it's good it's good and then it creates dopamine and then that dopamine gets transferred into your blood it goes into your brain it creates as craving so you the bad bacteria wants you to eat more of laddu more of the sweetened beverages more of the soft drinks you know when we were kids in those those cartoons with an angel and a devil on either ah. side <laughs> Good bacteria Correct. and bad bacteria seems Correct. like that, Absolutely. but the bad bacteria is like the devil saying, mm, yeah. "Eat it, eat that sugar, Chalega. you want that brownie, <laughs> <It'll go. laughs> popcorn, eat it. Correct. You only live once, bitch." Sorry, <laughs> sorry about cussing in front of you. You're you're such a sweet person, sir. But if I'm imitating a devil, I become a devil. Um, so pardon my language. But coming back to Ladu. <laughs> 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 See, this is your inner family man coming out. This is not a family show. Talking about my love life. Well, it's good. It's we'll, good. We'll talk about sexual health also. I'm sure there is some connection of sexual health and bacteria. We should talk after 10 p.m. or what? <laughs> <laughs> Let's come back Let's to come sugar, sir. Sugar, sir. So anyway, so for sugar, there are two kinds of sugars: simple sugar and complex sugar. So simple sugar is the one that we talked about. But when you eat complex sugar, what happens is this sugar is being covered by a shield. what are food items that have for example let's say you know whole grains okay brown rice brown whole rice wheat. whole wheat okay um in Nachi, quinoa ragi. Na- ah, ragi so it has a complex carbs right and this complex carbs is being 
covered by the shield. So it goes into small intestine. That small intestinal bacteria will not be able to digest at all because it has the genes to create an enzyme to degrade that shield. And we don't have the gene. That is why we need those bacteria. So you're saying when you eat complex carbohydrate like ragi, brown yeah. rice, whole wheat, a part of it gets absorbed by the stomach, then it travels to the large intestine. Huh. So what happens in the large intestine? So in the large intestine, uh, why it is going into the large intestines? We do not have the genes to create the enzyme to degrade that shield into which the complex carb is inside. You understood that? The every complex carbohydrate has a coating. Ah, so, so just an just as an analogy. Okay. We, you need to degrade that, right? Yeah. So if you eat a whole grain bread, you have to degrade that. So we don't have the enzyme to degrade that. So it goes inside the colon, and the bacteria, good bacteria, have the enzyme. To degrade it. Okay. Huh. So the point here is we need to increase the amount of good bacteria in our large intestine. Correct. Which is going to happen again through a lifestyle, Correct. through life, Correct. through eating cleaner Correct. food, Correct. etc. So what I'm trying to say is you have to feed them properly and you need them. It is not that you don't need them at all. And only then you'll be able to get all these digested. So when they digest it, they eat their food and they also give the calories back to us. Okay, so effectively, you're saying that if you begin eating healthy, it might be difficult for your gut and your mind initially to adopt a healthy lifestyle. But as you move forward, it becomes easier. Very easier. Very, Both very in easy. terms of cravings, yes. etc. Because even your cravings are coming out of an unhealthy gut. Correct. Cravings, I can guarantee you, if somebody does this of increasing the good gut bacteria by eating clean, cravings every week, it will be decreasing in by percentage. 10%, 20%, 30%. On an average, in six months, cravings will be gone. Okay. But the initial willpower, that what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but people think that it is their problem. They think that, oh, you know, I am craving for it. People always come and tell me that, hey, Dr. Pat, I'm not able to lose weight because I crave for the sweet tooth of chocolate right after I eat. Yes, you, you cannot use your willpower of not eating it. So you need to trick your body. So instead of having like a simple sugar, has a complex carb or have nuts so that you can also feed the gut bacteria. You are getting good, more good bad bacteria and you're creating this newer cycle where the cravings will be less. So next time the cravings episode might not be that severe. Okay. Um, effectively, this is the harsh truth about weight loss, about the process of fitness in general. Your initial phase will be your hardest phase. Huh. Hmm. If you can get past that first week, huh. second week will be easy. Hmm. The first month will be way harder than your second month. Huh. And your first year is where you're truly tested. Correct. But it'll be life-changing. If you can get past that one year, the rest of your life is easier. Correct. Take one difficult year. Correct. Or take 10 difficult years in your 40s, 50s, Correct. 60s. Correct. It's one of the two. Correct. Which is why when you're young and when you're... It's easier. Yeah, when it's easier. When your neural patterns are not that used to eating shit... Correct. Switch it up. Mm. Okay. Anything else you want to add about cravings or especially when it's sweet cravings? Because, you know, Conor McGregor, he's a UFC fighter. Uh -huh. He's famously said that every time he used to crave anything sweet, he used to have cinnamon and it used to uh -huh. help him. Correct. Correct. I so I, I always have nuts. Nuts okay. is my way to go. Okay. And I, I remember uh, the your gut bacteria loves fiber and fermented foods. So whenever you give nuts, you're giving fiber. Again, whenever I eat, I always have this thing in the back of the mind that what I am feeding my gut bacteria with. So when during the cravings, if I actually help my gut bacteria to decrease the cravings, that's the best case scenario, win-win situation for both of us. In my gallbladder phase, 
where I had the gallstone, mm. I had a big sweet tooth. Wanted Haan. dessert after every meal. Haan. I got so scared after that gallbladder surgery Haan. that I got scared enough to leave desserts. And I saw that over the course of one year, my sweet tooth died. Haan. Which is why when people say they have a sweet tooth, especially if they're young, mm. in my eyes and heart, my thought, I don't voice it out. I used to voice it out and tell people that you don't have a sweet tooth. Uh-huh. It's all in your mind. <laughs> now, I just say that, hmm, okay. Uh, but in my head, I'm thinking, this is artificially created. Correct. This is a completely fabricated thing. This is a story you're telling yourself. Because I'll tell you what, this is a personal experience. Correct. I think it's true for a lot of other people who've gone through something similar. What eventually happens is you kind of lose your craving for sweets. You don't really need huh. dessert. Huh. And after a point, after you've lost that craving for dessert, when you actually try eating dessert again, the sugar's taste... That sweet taste is so sharp hmm. that all desserts taste the same. Huh. And you kind of don't want it anymore. You lose that variety of taste in dessert. At least this is what I felt. Uh-huh. Like sugar's taste became too sharp in my mouth. And I've seen how my palate has changed over the course of my life. Huh. Like things I used to like in terms of taste earlier, didn't like after a point. But it took some time. Yeah. Huh. So there is something neurologically going on with my gut. Correct. That's changing my taste preferences. Correct. Correct. So when people say they have a sweet tooth, it's actually an excuse to not chase fitness correct yeah in and, and initially it's the the solution to that is not to eat sweet it's not that you cannot eat sweet at all that's the problem so people exercise a lot of willpower okay no i'm not going to eat this ladu no, no not at all but that willpower will last only for a week or two okay and then slowly you will come back and then say oh you know what that's it you know uh, let's just eat right away um, so willpower is like the battery charge on your phone it dies down. So you need to keep charging and you need to use your willpower only for like specific things that you really matters. How do you like increase willpower? So by making some masking situations, for example, okay, I know that I'm not going to eat this sh- uh, sugary thing right after my meal, but you mimic that with something else. Like? Like, you know, in my case, it can be nuts or let's say that somebody is, let's say dairy milk. I'm not going to eat the whole thing. I'm going to eat half of it. Uh, and then one fourth after slowly slowly so you don't have to go through that much your willpower will last longer so it's a small hack that you could do i want to talk a little bit about sugary liquids Mm. only because they're that easy to consume Uh you're consuming this bomb of calories Uh Uh, you're not chewing anything Mm. it's literally for me worse than any dessert Mm. and i've noticed that anyone who struggles to lose weight Almost always enjoys sugary liquids, be it milkshake, be it juices, be it, uh, you know, your soft uh, drinks. Soft drinks. Uh. It's just, it's the worst enemy in the process of weight loss. And it's such a simple enemy to even keep. You just don't get it home. Mm. As simple. Mm. If you're craving the sugary liquid, don't have it. Drink water. Mm. Drink soda, put some salt in it. Mm. That's all. If you have to have something sweet, put a little stevia. Mm. Would you Would you suggest stevia? Um, yes, plant-based um, uh, non-calorie sweetness. Uh, okay. It's not as bad as the artificial sweetness. Artificial sweetness also harm gut health. The big time. Big time. 30-40% of the bacteria. <laughs> Destroyed. I mean, in due course of time. That's why I always say that, you know, sugar, diet something. Diet, soft drink. It's not a better way of... It's better just you drink the regular thing at work. Mm. Uh, at least from a gut health standpoint. I know calorie-wise, it's less, right? But artificial sweetness, high fructose corn syrup and uh, all these, um, you know, sucralose, aspartame. Uh, many people drink it because it is less calories. They will lose weight because calorie intake is less. But 
the gut bacteria repopulation is significantly affected significantly mm-hmm. my practice it's very easy mm-hmm. is uh, if i don't know about consuming a particular sweet thing mm. i turn it around mm. i see the packaging mm. uh if it has sugar i prefer that over it having um, aspartame aspartame sucralose sucralose uh. is sorbitol also in that category sorbitol no uh, i don't know i don't know i think aspartame sucralose is a very common thing i believe sorbitol is uh, could be i don't know a uh, liquid sugar. i i don't think it's an artificial sweetener I as see. far as i know i see but if there's ever aspartame or sucralose i i just put that item down yeah uh you want to say anything about it? so um, i i slightly differ in a practical standpoint is that see in when my in my weight loss journey i wanted to see that drop in my weight that was my motivating factor i did so many things it didn't work out at all so then i said that uh, you know this artificial sweetness it didn't have any calories at all so i started using them uh diet soft drinks i know that it is bad but i in my busy lifestyle i was not able to include anything else okay. so i said that okay i'll do this and then i started i what i did was i stopped eating late at night and i just okay i'll eat whatever i want as much as healthy possible but within this and i'll choose low calorie thing and this one was one of the main thing in 30 days i started losing weight and i was at cloud 9 when my 200 pounds 220 pounds came down 100 kilos came down to like 95 then that was my motivating factor right so now i know okay this is going to work i'm going to the next level so then i started really thinking okay no no artificial sweeteners as exactly what you said i turn the back of the label and then say first three ingredients if there is sugar preferably not okay and it's also the order of ingredient as well so let's say the third one is sugar it's okay the first one is sugar absolutely not because you know that it has been listed based on the amount of uh, percentage in the body in that uh, possible can so um and in my research what we have involved is it's very clear that aspartame sucralose and all these artificial sweeteners have a uh, change of uh, bacterial population we just don't know how it is going to affect down the road it might not affect right away that's the problem the thing happens 10 years down the road and that's why we need to inculcate good habits now so that it will reap reapers benefits in future mm, you need to do the boring stuff right <laughs> that's exactly what it is the more boring your life is the heavier you will be correct it's like investment yeah you know lots of investment has to be boring yeah <laughs> lots of health content creators uh, get pissed off when i say that but the truth is the drier and more boring your food and life is the healthier you'll be the better you'll look absolutely one of my common question that i ask my youtube channel is oh what do you think about green tea I say green tea is good for you only if you go to the mountains and you climb and you pluck the green tea leaves by yourself <laughs> <laughs> in terms of weight loss you're saying in terms of weight loss so they think that green tea is one of the biggest remedy right like all these fancy yes green tea is good but it has to go along with all the other things as well I forgot the active molecule in green uh, tea catechins yeah yeah uh, and uh, I I I remember making a video very long back ha, ha, for beer vices about green tea. Ha, ha, ha. My research told me that for those what what was it? Uh for those to work uh-huh. uh you need to have 23 cups of green tea in a day. <laughs> Then they'll actually cause weight loss. Good luck with <laughs> absorbing all that caffeine okay. and all that diuretic. Correct. Um, all these things are fads again it boils down to the basics. Correct. Correct. Do you want to talk about complex carbohydrates and simple carbs? Like again I'll give you my lifestyle. Ah. Hmm. I avoid maida as far as possible. Like flour, anything that's made out of flour. Hmm. Uh that's my second biggest villain after sugar. Ha, ha, Always. Ha, ha. It's been that way for me and it's worked well for me. Ha. Um I don't mind whole wheat though they say that in the modern even whole wheat isn't too healthy. Hmm. That's the narrative I've heard. Um that's not true. 
I'll that's, take that back. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's only true in certain patients where there is a disproportionate of good gut bacteria. People are going crazy on this gluten-free thing. Mm. <laughs> you need to dial down a little bit. Gluten-free has become such a big health hack. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think when you go gluten-free, you're avoiding maida automatically, and that's why people are associating and sugar. Uh, the actual narrative about gluten-free is the celiac disease. If you have celiac disease, then it affects you. But the incidence is extremely low. uh and the biggest thing why people are getting better with gluten free diet is because most of the people have underlying irritable bowel syndrome ibs so ibs happens ibs is a disease irritable bowel syndrome which means your bowel is very sensitive okay and which essentially means or what we discussed so far bad bacteria is so high good bacteria is low that's why it is very sensitive it's right years of abuse years of abuse so you have ibs right so what happens is this when you have ibs you are very sensitive to certain foods when you take wheat barley rye it also comes along with something called fructans f r u c t a n s fructans and that fructans is extremely stimulating the sensitive gut so when i see a patient with ibs i say you know avoid fructans and they say oh avoid fructans or oh, then i cannot eat gluten or oh, then go gluten free so many of these people who are getting better on gluten free has the subtle ibs going on because all the factors that we talked about in their modern lifestyle has not been fixed and they, they go gluten free and they get better this is not celiac disease at all okay only in a minority maybe celiac disease yeah uh where i was coming from about whole wheat not being as healthy as it was was something i think that abhi and new told me uh, abhi and new are connectors from india huh. very well researched work huh. mm. uh they said that um, basically the top soil layer in punjab where mm-hmm. most of the country's mm-hmm. wheat is grown mm-hmm. is devoid of the bacteria it used to have uh-huh. therefore all the benefits that we associate uh-huh. with whole wheat uh-huh. may not be present anymore uh-huh. so i think the more broken down version of that argument is it's still a complex carbohydrate Correct. which Correct. takes time for your gut to absorb mm. but it doesn't have as much of the nutrients as it used to have 100 years ago could be could be so in my practice in sacramento where i practice there are lots of punjabi community lots of people everybody has gluten allergy or celiac disease huh? for some reason i don't know why that doesn't make sense to me but It's, but what what is the logic so i think that few people might have this ibs what we talked about but there might be a slight incidence of actual celiac disease as well increase in the autoimmunity especially in punjabi community where i i i'm not making this up it's in it's uh, but for generations they've had wheat Ha huh. so i think there is some change in this uh, you remember the inflammatory cascade that we talked about i think there has to do something with that right so it has to be the immune system lining the gut might be super stimulated and then starting to uh, generate antibodies against wheat and damaging the small intestine so it doesn't get absorbed so there is slight trend in that for sure can i throw googly at you ha huh. we had a genetic scientist on the show huh. who said that there's too much inbreeding in a lot of communities in india that's actually a problem ah. and that's leading to like immune diseases inbreeding like, means means when you're marrying a woman huh. or a woman is marrying a man uh-huh. uh you need to uh, check the genetic compatibility huh. in the modern day if genetic huh. compatibility tests huh. are available go for it huh. because you don't know if seven or eight generations ago you guys shared an ancestor ah so if that uh, ancestor has been shared within eight generations which is actually a long time uh-huh, ago when you think about uh-huh. it it's like 300 years you don't know if your great 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 grandfather and her great 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 grandmother were actually siblings mm. you don't know that's just how so so you're talking about consanguineous marriages like marrying between family 
yeah ah, but over over three generations i see so I see. he said that uh, in india this is a much more rampant problem than people would assume because you would assume that you're just seeing a girl you're meeting someone for arranged marriage uh, whoever she is you don't know but you don't know where you've been related to her in the past so okay. it's healthier to marry someone from another state ideally other country yeah other uh, countries <laughs> even more even better can i share my personal experience yeah, here sure. so you see this my finger yeah, yeah, yeah this this finger is short okay Sh- and show it to the camera finger shot hi <laughs> so this i have my father has it my grandfather has it and my grandfather's father had it as well so it's in generation when i was born with it i was like uh, this is great i mean uh, people think they were special and that's why i i my mom used to say that you know i uh, excel in studies because of the finger because of genetics uh, thing i i don't think it's true but <laughs> <laughs> but what happened was i married uh, uh and it was an arranged marriage I was uh, married my wife and she was from the same community okay uh, but we were not like uh, first degree relative second degree nothing but it was the same community we looked at the astrology and everything and we had so much difficulty in conception okay so we had seven miscarriages and i was like how can this be possible right every time we got pregnant it's uh, dnc miscarriage dnc and then uh, i mean uh, i'm just speaking out my mind here please, please. so uh, in um, uh, first pregnancy got uh, really uh, advanced to like 24 weeks of age okay and we go for 20 weeks of uh, gestation we go for this anomaly scan and uh, if you look at the uh, baby there is no legs or no arms and we have to you know do dne you cannot do dnc you have to do dne So what, we, what is that? A, a D and dilatation curettage is you know when the baby is small you could just go in and then you just scrape it off and then abortion is done. But if it is big, you cannot do that. So you need to have an actual delivery. So we had an actual baby was delivered was not survivable, and um, I because <laughs> um, yeah, thought we appreciate you opening up. can't imagine uh um so anyway so the um so the, we said I, i think it's very important it's very important for people to know um so this um, baby we sent for analysis i was like you know what is going on so then we figured out that i share a gene with my wife same gene and that i have this so i have this the gene was associated with this defect okay and the same gene was present in my wife as well but she doesn't have any this defect at all and that girl baby had this gene from me and that gene from her and both together boom it was something called grebe syndrome where there is no legs no arms the heart and lungs didn't develop at all so then i realized that there is something more deeper to it so i analyzed i mean there was my way of dealing with that at that time I mean now we are very healthy I have two healthy kids um but at that time uh, there was my way of dealing with that frustration is to do research to find more about it how can this happen to me you know what did i do wrong so then uh, i analyzed my mom my dad and their ancestors and everything everybody is carrying the same gene and the main reason was my dad married his sister's daughter it's called consanguineous marriage okay and it is very happened in southern part of i mean um, when i grew up and also in pakistan it were extremely common extremely common and all this genetic diseases 
is very prevalent very very prevalent and uh, i completely agree with that you know you should uh, it's very difficult to go and track all these ancestors uh, in terms of how you are committed and everything but at least to start with marrying within a family i think we should think twice yeah um appreciate you opening up a lot on the right note must have been very difficult and it takes a lot of emotional yeah, strength yeah. to talk about this on a public platform yeah i know i uh, after i opened up many people came out to me in my channel that you know i also had the same problem many people and there is a skeletal registry in ucla where i am now a volunteer and i am one of the um, medical doctors as well i take all these cases and then sense the analysis because it's very rare and uh, if we can create a genome and then we can find out hey you know this this people is at risk we can figure out and all this crispr technology is available we can uh, make sure that what i experience should not happen to anybody else can i give you a very brotherly take on <laughs> those none of my business like <laughs> no please it's slightly philosophical um you know whenever i went to my own suffering in life whatever i had gone through and everyone has their own Correct. story yeah, their own you know yeah, yeah. little darker chapters uh i used to rationalize it thinking that my suffering has happened so that someone else who will eventually go through that suffering may not have to go through it ha 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 you know so i think you're doing effectively the same thing absolutely. that's all one can do with their own suffering absolutely that Correct. you can to like, educate yeah you can uh, educate mm. like and you know see like we're on a international platform here there'll be someone who like be learning yes, from this yes exactly um, absolutely but the underlying key at least i believe this and this has been one of my episodes of the year with dr neeraj rai he's that genetic scientist ha, 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 ha. you know spoken hindi ha. he actually named three communities he named uh, tambram are, are you tambram no okay mm. uh, he named tambram he said some communities in south india but uh, tambram uh, is tamil brahmin yeah ha. uh so tambram was named he named agarwals mm. uh you know in north india in, in rajasthan and up um uh, and i think bengali if i'm not mistaken was the third one like uh but he said that there's a lot of intercommunity marriage in these communities and it, that's just how our parents how generation correct correct my dad is punjabi I see. and my mother is half gujarati half maharashtra uh, so i am strong and fit and fast <laughs> and athletic and <laughs> but i'm either looking for a south indian wife or a bengali wife to just mix up the gene pool or someone from outside the country you just said hasda huh you said hasda tribe ha hasda tribe sorry that's right <laughs> to get the, the the good, good bacteria yeah. <laughs> anyway coming back to diet so uh wow i love this conversation uh so we spoke about whole wheat again ah. the 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 key with complex carbohydrates for me is uh try avoiding maida i also don't eat too much white rice i eat white rice but i enjoy eat it on a day where i'm really physically ha, active ha, ha, ha. um it's helped me again that's my subjective view do you want to move away from carbohydrates um, one suggestion that i can give is you know i love white rice in my weight loss journey what was sustainable for me was my willpower went down when i was forcing myself to eat brown rice and quinoa mixed with curd but my willpower was good in managing all my other prof- profiles while i was eating small amount of white rice with curd because i loved the taste so rice has been like blamed as very bad that's not true uh limited quantities in moderation to enjoy the journey is absolutely okay yeah i think my big problem with rice and i'm also a rice lover eaten too much rice in my mm-hmm. life but uh the problem i see in india is lots of people order a portion of rice after eating like a whole meal 
um this i've seen a lot especially when people go out to restaurants they'll order biryani post uh, you know eating like full naan and butter paneer i've seen this a lot in north india personally i feel that's too much carbohydrate and secondly people don't do portion control what you're saying mm. like that small amount okay but people go crazy with correct. the carb intake correct correct that, that, that's the major problem i don't think it'll change either like <laughs> as in we are talking on this podcast but whatever but what can change is let's say you have that white rice right if you my trick to my patient is that split into half take the half first and then replace the other half with some kind of vegetables correct and always when you go to a restaurant or something i always say that okay you order biryani right we know that restaurant biryani is going to be high calories and we know that but we still go because we like the taste and everything when i go to a restaurant when i order a biryani i will eat biryani it's not that i don't eat it i always get a to go box first i open it when the biryani comes i split it into half put it in the box <laughs> and then i use it later especially late at night i don't eat it at night at all mm-hmm. uh, so i did a reel on it i got a really bad thing from like how can you do this to biryani <laughs> biryani is my emotion <laughs> <laughs> well biryani will be your emotion 30 40 years from now <laughs> as well <laughs> when you're on a hospital bed <laughs> anyway uh now in this section i spoke to the sweet pavam tamil boy in you okay uh. now you have to speak to the dirty punjabi in me <laughs> let's talk about alcohol <laughs> oh my god uh, i've stopped drinking about 5 years ago that's for my yoga and all that okay, good how does alcohol affect gut health that's the best thing that happened to you 5 years ago that's the best thing happened alcohol alcohol is very bad for your gut health okay that's number one in my practice uh where a patient is drinking alcohol beyond a certain limit that their liver can handle they will present with a condition called cirrhosis where your liver doesn't work and they present with vomiting blood and that is the first sign of liver damage that you actually know i'm i'm talking about the punjabi patient that i saw because he was only 40 he came in with vomiting blood and i was so I was like you're only 40 and the liver is nothing and I can't did he look healthy he looked healthy he looked healthy and then he came with vomiting blood at middle of the night at 2 a.m. so I went there I put this rubber bands around this esophagus where you know it is bleeding uh, it's it's it's, it's cool <laughs> but it go in and then all this all I saw was blood I put a scope inside the esophagus all I saw was just blood pouring because the liver is not working all the blood is just backed up and the esophagus blood vessels are not able to hold up anymore just ruptures one second so your liver processes the alcohol when you drink alcohol correct right correct as in you have different uh, juices or uh, different liquids that digest different food items correct for example i think fat is digested by bile correct etc it is secreted by your liver as well okay mm. uh the liver processes alcohol correct so liver actually detoxifies everything detoxifies ah. so alcohol is effectively poison for your body correct and your liver is noticing that it's poison uh processing it mm. now in that process of processing it your liver is deteriorating correct now if you do this regularly over the course of 40 years of your life or even 20 years of drinking correct uh over time your liver becomes weak becomes shrunk that is what cirrhosis is ah okay. it has lots of scar tissue because it's not only detoxify liver is also having only certain amount of capacity to detoxify mm. and when it is more than that it starts forming scar tissue we call it as fibrosis 
and there are stages 1 2 3 4 it doesn't happen overnight it takes at least 7 10 years based on the dosage of the alcohol as well so the key thing i'm trying to say here is that people think that social drinking is okay social drinking when i grew up if i drink alcohol if my father knows that i drink a sip of alcohol i'll be outcasted from the community <laughs> in us or even now if in any get together if you say i don't drink alcohol they're coming to you and then saying is everything okay with your health <laughs> 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 nothing wrong great and in the terms of social drinking we have crossed the line i guess uh, i think it's high time that we pull it back down yeah. and then say that liver is also an organ that cannot keep on saving you for the rest of your life you want to know something naughty that i notice with people my age people nowadays don't prefer drinking alcohol even smoking cigarettes is reducing a little bit but smoking weed has increased a lot uh. <laughs> in all urban Correct. cities Correct. i see this a lot i think people are very aware that see effectively i see a lot of people my age leaving alcohol because everyone knows it makes you fat uh, and uh. everyone knows these things about liver damage uh. you know also with alcohol i'm coming to you as a former drinker uh. what happens is you even if you've drank a lot you lose usually at least with my circles i've seen the people lose the interest in alcohol huh. because they just realize the damage it's causing huh, to the body huh. this is not everyone but many people huh, huh, huh. you know i barely have any friends who drink every week huh, huh, huh. but that wasn't the case when i was in college huh, huh. you know i used to also drink every week it's huh, just how huh. urban india is in addition to alcohol the non alcoholic problem also contribute to the liver problem that is where i'm saying that there's two b's beer and biryani <laughs> and belly three b's is your underlying problem for liver disease so when you drink alcohol you're just not going to drink alcohol you're going to have side dish ah okay okay and you're mm. going to eat a lot more than usual so there is excess calories more belly fat and there is a, another disease called non alcoholic cirrhosis just with extra belly fat extra obesity the cirrhosis can happen and 10 years ago the leading cause of liver transplant where cirrhosis the treatment for cirrhosis is you need to do liver transplantation there is nothing else there is no medication can give you the treatment for liver, the number one reason for liver transplantation 10 years ago was alcohol and hepatitis c now non alcohol obesity related cirrhosis has topping the list that's why i'm keep on emphasizing the fact that alcohol and uh, non alcoholic factors both contributes rapid progression to cirrhosis compared to before okay um again i'll come back to myself here uh because i've made all these videos on beer biceps so i'm kind of relaying a lot of that information as well uh personally for me and this is not the case for everyone but personally for me it was difficult to leave alcohol for the first month mm. and then every month after that it becomes way easier you reach a point where you don't crave it again mm. uh you reach exactly that psychological stage that you were mm. before you ever thought of drinking mm. at age 13 14 you know everyone goes through a phase where they say i'll never drink it in my life mm. and then suddenly college happens and you end up drinking is <laughs> our bad friend you know influences you it happens to everyone uh. it's fine my own experience was that i lost my craving for alcohol as well over time uh-huh. uh and i went from drinking a lot every week to this right now uh-huh. at social situations now i have like a fresh lime soda or something uh-huh. and as long as you're a fun person it doesn't really matter i think uh-huh. that's another reason for a lot of people to drink that they think they're too introverted Correct. so it helps them open up Correct. but that's a problem that can be worked on in other ways also right all in all again keeping health in mind and comparing my health to the health of a lot of my friends who've not really focused mm. on these kind of problems mm. 
it was one of the best decisions mm. i'm glad i stopped drinking at 25 mm. there's also part of me that's glad i enjoyed a lot before 25 because i finished off that craving but at some point for the sake of your health uh i would personally recommend that try giving up alcohol reduce it a lot it really really helps and the other tip i can give is you remember the circadian rhythm that we talked about circadian rhythm yeah, sunrise yeah. to sunset and all those things that gets blown out of the window if you drink alcohol at night mm so i tell people that if you drink alcohol drink it in the afternoon so i propose the uh, us government and also any other government to change the name of nightclub to afternoon club <laughs> wow again i don't think people will be affected by this information the ones who want to drink will eventually drink because uh-huh. these are very personal choices that everyone is entitled to everyone subjective reality and truth be told it's why doctors exist because people make wrong choices correct very often correct go on no no uh why, why in this context i think i'm uh, my goal let me tell you my goal is to decrease 30% of my medical business by 2030 <laughs> if you follow with all these tips it is going to happen i will not have business at all 30% <laughs> but realistically realistically i'm going to have more because <laughs> they're not going to follow <laughs> yeah people people are not going to stop drinking just because you and me have spoken about the benefits of stopping drinking correct i wouldn't have stopped drinking as a 19 year old listening to a conversation like correct. this but the but one advantage that your channel is doing is that you keep reminding them so maybe they don't go for the second drink yeah perhaps that is the success in my channel i keep focusing on not eating late at night every video i always say no eat late at night so people say that okay when they see food at like 9 pm they are seeing my hearing my voice through the food and then say don't eat it so keep on repetitive behavior will change the brain wiring experience okay next hot topic <laughs> protein protein specifically non veg veg vegan good i love it dairy also <laughs> dairy also put in this category i love this topic how do we talk about this in a very fast way i actually don't want to dive too deep because mm. there's a lot of information on youtube but what's the 101 everybody needs protein mm. minimum protein requirement 0.8 gram per kilogram per day if you are a 60 kilo man or woman women is even more important you need to have 48 to 50 grams of protein per day and people stay away from protein because they think that too much of protein is going to cause kidney damage number one myth is that is not true <laughs> for a normal healthy patient uh, like uh, who is trying to lose weight if you don't have significant kidney problems it is not a problem at all okay uh, then why are we talking about kidney problem is when a high protein diet 1.5 gram per kilogram more than that per day where your body building and everything and on the top of it if you have some kidney issues then you need to be a little bit careful so okay sure. and the last thing would be vegan versus vegetarian versus no animal based protein from a gastroenterology standpoint i can clearly say that if you are plant based protein diet your gut bacteria is going to freaking love you really <laughs> they will worship you they will pour love thank you so much for giving me the channa thank you so much for giving me this rajma and in turn it will give you the immunity that you want to fight against infections so you're batting for veganism vegetarian is some plant based 
what about veganism versus vegetarianism veganism in my opinion i have tried it it was very difficult for me but there is no much difference between vegan and vegetarian from my opinion but then that is what b12 and d3 d3 yeah so long term vegetarian diet can vegan diet can go down on b12 um but that is something that can be corrected it is not a severe problem to be worried about uh, in terms of treatment wise there are easy treatment in case if you go into that what is the treatment supplements b12 supplements when you go down 30 days 60 days and then you just become conscious of about increasing your b12 again through food ingredients until then it, the problem is in the worst case scenario if you end up in that bucket it is very easy to be treated okay for those of you who don't know what we're talking about basically when you're going all out vegan the one thing that out and out is lacking in a vegan diet is b12, b12. and d3 mm-hmm. d3 also not that much b12 is a main thing mm. what does b12 do b12 is responsible for your nerves Okay. Okay. So you get some tingling sensation, numbness, and peripheral neuropathy where the nerves are getting damaged a little bit. That's why B twelve needs that. Okay. Your nerves need B twelve. Um, yes, that is an issue, but that doesn't happen in all people as well. Um, and uh, animal based protein, when you do research on mice and animal based studies, it's a very clear, especially red meat. especially red meat there is significant disturbance of gut bacteria where this proportion shift towards bad beef pork mutton goat and even sometimes chicken thighs because chicken thighs are darker and because they are standing all the time they need more dark muscle fibers compared to the chicken breast so the leaner meat is chicken breast darker meat is chicken thighs so red meat you need the gut bacteria digest and then the protein is called um, carnitin and the enzyme is called phosphatidylcholine so basically what this does is your gut bacteria doesn't like this i don't want to deal with this at all so you know all the good bacteria says i don't want to deal with this you take care of it so the bad bacteria gets overpopulated and there is this enzyme called i'm talking a lot of biochemical thing but i think it brings the con- uh, evidence that brings the fact that there is evidence to it that the chemical called TMAO okay and that is being secreted by the gut bacteria in the intestine after consuming red meat and that gets absorbed into the circulation if you look at all this keto diet and all these uh, people just eat carnivore diet and everything there's multiple studies showing that this TMAO is the reason for the heart disease okay. right mm. so i'm vegetarian good turn vegetarian again in that same phase Okay, I'm not vegan. Mm. Like I eat ghee, I eat paneer. Mm. They're my two milk products. Mm. Mm. But I am going to bat for the non-vegetarians mm. here because mm. I know how a non-vegetarian mind thinks. Because uh-huh. I have been a non-vegetarian. Uh-huh. I think the narrative usually on the non-veg side is also that they'll show their own set of studies uh-huh. that uh, benefit uh-huh. their claim. Correct, correct, correct. The vegetarians will show their own set of studies. Correct, vegan correct. will show their own correct, set of studies. Correct, correct. It's just how this world of scientific study works. Correct. correct. That Absolutely. research can. easily be slightly manipulated uh to kind of bat for your own problem uh, i've asked a lot of non vegetarians these questions as well uh m- again please correct me wherever you disagree mm-hmm. i would assume that again because we were hunter gatherers and because we hunted for so long um didn't our bodies get used to actually eating the meat that we hunted see that's the that's the myth coming back to the previous discussion that we were only successful one in 20 times we were not eating meat every day people eat complex tubers wild berries plants so we if we are for, we cannot be different from our ancestors there is no way we are evolution we are being the process of evolution so their 
their diet was mainly plant based look at hasta and look at their bacteria in mm. the gut it's exactly what you will see in a plant based vegetarian bacteria uh, gut bacteria a person who's eating plant based diet correct so what i am saying is i'm not strictly against non vegetarian okay you need that protein sometimes it's very difficult to take protein content through vegetarian also so i came up with this term for my patients called palitarian <laughs> dr palitarian so what i do is three meals a day seven days a week 21 meals a week you do 80% plant based okay which will come around like you know uh, 18 17 18 meals plant based remaining four you eat chicken you eat uh, white meat preferably fish chicken uh, stay away from beef and pork and uh, the reason i'm saying that is from a gastroenterology standpoint it is very clear that red meat especially beef and pork are increased risk of colon cancer okay i know there are multiple refuting studies but it has been proven beyond doubt that there is some kind of nitrosamine link that it is increasing the risk of colon cancer that is why i am doing colonoscopies at the age of 50 in us and not in india mm. and if you look at the data in india colon cancer is very high in kerala why they eat beef a lot more than other states wow okay do you think that the world is going more vegetarian keyword more not vegetarian ha, 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 i think ha, ha, people this hatsa tribe ha, situation ha, 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 ha. where once in a while you eat non veg i i see that increasing a lot people are becoming not fully vegetarian Correct. but non veg consumption is gradually reducing Correct. at least that's what i see around me yeah, i might yeah. be wrong no i think that's the right thing to do always extremes will not work keto will not work uh, pure vegan will not work because it's very difficult unless you are really committed to it i'm not saying that you shouldn't do this you can do it if it works for you yeah um i always go for moderation i always go for sustainability i always go for lifelong adoption of this technique for me i cannot stay away from non veg because i love the taste i love the taste uh and spiritually it can be different uh, evaluation but in terms of health wise this 80 20 dr palitarian method of you know like 18 meals of plant based four meals of uh, thing i think it's very doable this repetitive reinforcement will make them think next time in when you order biryani from swiggy maybe you'll order paneer biryani mm okay one time okay mm. in this country it's very easy to go vegetarian yes in our country yes i don't know how easy it is to go vegetarian abroad like i have a lot of vegan friends who will tell me no no now it's easy there's vegan food everywhere but uh-huh. doesn't taste that good abroad here it tastes beautiful like Absolutely. you won't even feel like you missed out on anything but the non veg is even more tasty yeah 100% 100% <laughs> there are <laughs> see okay you know what vegetarians will never agree with but uh-huh. i'm telling you this as a non vegetarian turned vegetarian the price you pay for leaving non veg is two prices one i personally believe my athletic power reduced huh. in terms of my ferocity on the football field or my ferocity in the weight room mm. it reduced a little bit that's fine that's a trade off uh the second thing i lost out on was food experiences mm. that you will be giving up so it's a question of do you care about the process of going vegetarian more or do you care about being a foodie more correct it boils down to that correct uh and again my reason for going vegetarian was my spiritual stuff uh i fell more in love with animals as i grew older i lost you know my dogs and all that i saw uh, their death uh, that made me think a lot mm, etc mm. so again per my own subjective reality of life turned me into a vegetarian but again as i said with alcohol your palate changes your food mm, preferences change mm, uh, i will not go back to it mm, like i know that 
like even if it's in front of me and such good meat has mm. been put in front of me the kind of meat that i would have died for when i was a non vegetarian <laughs> and there's not even a cell in my body that wants to eat it anymore i see wow because it just it doesn't appeal to me wow like i i won't look at it as food wow you know but mm. again that's my subjective uh-huh. reality i don't know everyone's right. life is different Correct. being a gastroenterologist at least being involved in gut health and everything it's very clear that gut bacteria is the problem for everything else of what i see so that made me change easily that our bacteria needs fiber and fiber there is no fiber in non veg at all there is no fiber and the only thing fiber can be given is through plant based diet and um, again coming back to the same discussion that we respect our gut bacteria our gut bacteria will love us back mm. and if you want to oh, we talked about raising your kids right i am going to raise my kids exactly same way that what i am doing i will make sure that they have fiber in every meal that they take if they want to take chicken it's okay if it is come coupled with broccoli okay gotcha. because fiber is extremely important and we limit red meat exposure as much as possible two to three times a week itself is too much so that's why we prefer white meat um fish is i mean it's uh, much much better uh, chicken breast is much better okay uh one final section of the podcast uh we can do this very quick as well fats is it related to gut health um uh, fats yes yes especially saturated fat okay especially yep. saturated fat so w- what's the deal with fats like so saturated fat is a problem saturated fat our gut bacteria doesn't like it. it and we are seeing that on animal based studies uh all your processed food packaged food if you look at it it's always high in saturated fat uh and um healthy polyunsaturated monounsaturated fats are good like olive oil avocado oil um and uh, usually tell my patient is that don't go deep into fats a lot more okay and because that's a bigger problem to fry <laughs> literally fry <laughs> so as long as you're sticking with you know like polyunsaturated fatty acids and then again talking about avoiding processed food packaged food where there is more of saturated fat i think it'll be okay okay my logic is i keep changing up my fat ha. source ha so that's even better actually the best case scenario is get all source of different kinds of oil olive oil avocado oil coconut oil ghee everything from different way not only sticking with one oil right okay. but the key thing is consumption not more than 500 ml per day yeah yeah you don't actually need that much oil even to cook correct boils down to the basics again the more boring your food is the correct. healthier you will be <laughs> it's very dry logic but it is what it is correct dr pal that's the episode for today wow did <laughs> you have fun you. yes absolutely it was okay. so much fun is there anything i didn't ask you that you want to mention um i mean you have so many things that's good <laughs> <laughs> One thing I can say is that you talked about YOLO, right? You know, you only live your life once. I always tell my patients is that YOLO is okay as long as you are solo. If you have a family, if you have kids less than 18 years of age, it is your damn responsibility to be alive and to be healthy and to become a role model to them so that they become healthy and your job is not done. Dr. Paul, thank you. Something tells me this is not the last time we're speaking. So, <laughs> we'll welcome you back on TRS at some point. Thank you, Ranveer. I had so much fun. Thank you. Love having these conversations with thank a you. biology master like yourself. <laughs> so, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. That was the episode for today.
absolutely love these medical conversations. Tell me how I could have improved this particular one. But also tell me what other kind of doctors would you guys like to see on the show? I'm constantly looking for new guests for TRS, especially when it comes to the English podcast, because truth be told, we do lack a large number of English guests in our country. That doesn't mean I'm stopping the English podcast. That just means I'm requesting for your help, especially when it comes to the medical fraternity. Please recommend some guests for TRS. We'll be back soon with more health-oriented conversations. Keep supporting, keep learning, and keep getting healthier.